Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 636 of the Juicebox Podcast. Today, I bring you the sixth installment of the Defining Thyroid series. Today, Jenny Smith and I are going to talk about goiter and supplementing and some other stuff. So far in the Defining Thyroid series, we've tackled hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's thyroiditis. That's in episode 616. In episode 619, we define pituitary and thyroid glands. In episode 624, we defined TSH testing. And in episode 628, we defined T4 and T3. In episode 632, we talked about autoimmune. And today we're going to be talking about goiter supplementing, and some other stuff. It's kind of a, I don't want to call today a free-for-all, but today is sort of a building conversation. You'll, uh, well, you'll see in a minute. While you're listening today, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you have type 1 diabetes or are the caregiver of someone with type 1 and are a U.S. resident, please go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox and take the survey. This episode of the Juicebox podcast is sponsored by Omnipod, makers of the Omnipod Dash, the Omnipod Promise, and the upcoming Omnipod 5. Learn more about that Omnipod Dash and see if you're eligible for a free 30-day trial at omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Today's episode is short, so at the end, I'll explain how you may be eligible for that free 30 days of the Omnipod Dash. All right, Jenny, we're going we're gonna to do a quick... Uh, <laughs> all right, I'm already laughing. Ready? Goiter. I know, it's such a funny word. Funny little word. Like, what? Really? Goiter? Like, couldn't... There are many medical terms that I think are hilarious, but definitely goiter is one of them. It is, it's funny. I don't know. I'm just, I always wonder still why, you know, we didn't find out what Hashimoto's first name was before they named it. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Well, I think the thing about goiter too is the fact that, uh, like there's a visible part of goiter, right? So it's not just like the name that's right. That's (laughs) funny. Like there's a visible piece that on your body, you're like, hmm. That doesn't look normal. Yeah. It shouldn't really be there. Well, and some people can get them. I mean, they can look like real like lumps in your neck, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. My mom, in fact, when I've seen pictures of my mom, I mean, they're the really old, like fading types of pictures before she was diagnosed or within the process. She had a very visible, it was on both sides of her neck. Mm-hmm. She had a very visible, she had kind of like the protruding sort of like eyes, um, there were a lot of things that were very like das- diagnostic um, there for her, but, yeah. but yes, goiter is essentially an alar- an enlargement of the thyroid gland. If that, all that we just said didn't like bring that up. <laughs> That's what it is. Enlargement of the thyroid gland. <laughs> goiter also called enlarged thyroid, probably by a doctor who laughed every time he said goiter. <laughs> right. and, um, you know what? It, it's, um, gosh, I'm mean, 
Do you remember, I'm really going to date myself, there used to be this, um, people used to shop on TV, I don't know if that's a thing that everyone knows, um, but there were like infomercials or longer commercials, and some guy would come on with a deep voice and tell you about the the heartbreak of psoriasis, you know, or something like yes. that. Yes. And um, it's the word tetter, which has nothing to do with anything we're talking about here, but sticks in my head since I'm a child. Because, it, you know, really? the heartbreak of psoriasis, you, and he runs through these lists of other things you might see, and then he goes, tetter. <laughs> and it's like stuck in my head. I don't know why. I can't get rid of it. I don't even know what it means. <laughs> um, That's really funny. <laughs> but, but there it is. It's in my head. So Goiter says, abnormal enlargement of the butterfly-shaped gland below the Adam's apple, which is called the thyroid, of course. A goiter commonly develops as a result of iodine deficiency or inflammation of the thyroid gland. Not all goiters cause symptoms. Symptoms that do occur might include swelling, cough. Rarely, symptoms may include throat tightness or trouble breathing. A small goiter that doesn't cause symptoms may not need treatment. In some cases, medication or surgery is needed. Does it have... So, it's so funny because I'm actually learning something here today. So, a goiter... Oh, good. <laughs> Shows me we're on the right track, Jenny. Yes. <laughs> so goiter, I mean, not that I'm just repeating myself, but goiter is an enlarged thyroid. It's not a thing. It's not like a new thing that appears in your neck. It's it's the thyroid Correct. enlarged. It's the thyroid enlarged. And really the reason, I mean, the reason is because your thyroid gets kind of signaled too much by the pituitary gland um, to bring out more thyroid hormone, right? I mean, that's the gist of it. And so that overstimulation can cause the thyroid to get larger mm -hmm. and to some people get large enough that you can visibly see the, see the change. And the reason in the United States that you would kind of pretty much think thyroid hormone problem or nodules when you see a goiter, I guess, believe it or not, is because um, we have iodized salt in the United States. Yeah, we yeah. do. Yeah. As long as you truly get iodized salt. Right. Yes. Like you can get it non, right? But I mean, if you look and it's interesting, since we started doing all of these about thyroid specifically, mm -hmm. I've started paying attention to salt <laughs> at the right. grocery store. <laughs> I like the grocery store anyway. So, <laughs> um, but I was noticing like at Costco specifically, there are big things of sea salt specifically state on the label. This is not a valuable source of iodine in mm -hmm. the diet. Yep. So does Himalayan sea salt. I mean, there are many salts that have now become, this is the preferred to use that no longer have enough of it in it. Yep. And and it's so <laughs> so in a past episode, I think in the goiter episode, I talked about no, not in the goiter episode. In the autoimmune episode, this is the goiter episode. I talked yes. about um I talked about a, a new um rheumatologist that that Arden's seeing. Mm -hmm. She spent ten minutes talking about iodine and how it's not interesting our, and not in our diet anymore, you know, and um and then she went into talking about I, I think this kind of fits. She went into talking about even when you eat well in a factory farming society, you're not eating as well as you think you are. You True. Know? And she used an example of um, 
she she chose a very popular uh, grocery store chain mm-hmm. and said they some of their fruits they they flash freeze and they don't deliver them to you for months afterwards. And she's like, they have ways of delivering foods where they show up to you with not nearly as much nutritional quality and quality as mm-hmm. you believe that they have. Because you're like, oh, I'm eating a piece of fruit or I'm eating a vegetable. She said, but the they've been decimated for nutrition all the time. And she started talking about um, having to supplement things that you just, even if you have a certain diet, you might not know you need to supplement. And that's what made me think of this, which is, you know, we all use salt and things. So if you use iodized salt, and you have a goiter, it's likely not because of iodine, it's likely because of thyroid. But in other places in the world, or if you've gotten all fifi and you're using sea salt, which I say jokingly because I realized as we're talking, I switched to pink salt like years ago. Years ago, yeah. right. I don't Absolutely. Use, I don't use much. of The other people in my house still use the salt shaker, but I... I have a little salt pig on you the like the, You like the pink salt. And I just like to, <laughs> I, I, I like to take a little pinch and just like, you know, let it go over top of things. And um and now I'm realizing I better just shake this the shaker a little bit myself um once in a while. Okay. Goiters do not look pleasant in the photographs. No, they don't. <laughs> yeah, they don't. And your mother had one. My mother had one, yes, a noticeable one, again, from pictures and whatnot from that time. And then once her thyroid was well managed, um, and she actually had thyroid burnout and everything because she was hyperthyroid, and now she um, actually takes the typical levothyroxine because she Mm -hmm. has hypothyroid because of everything treatment-wise. I have to say, when I... When I just Googled for pictures of goiter, when they come back with like, you know, not drawings, but re- like, but actual Real people, people. Like their own photographs, a lot of them do look like they don't live in the United States. That's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. And wow, they can get massive in some people. Yeah. Oh, that's horrible. Okay. All right. Fun times here on the podcast. Yes, exactly. Fun times. <laughs> there's, nothing, there's nothing else to add to this one, right? I don't think so. No. There's certainly things that I could add, but I don't think that they're as I'll, pertaining. I'll just read this last piece that I had here. Enlargement of the thyroid gland when your thyroid is bombarded by signals from the pituitary in an effort to trigger the thyroid into making more hormones. The excessive stimulation may cause the thyroid gland to enlarge to the point where you have a bulge in your neck. So this seems like that means in the case of a, a, an actual thyroid issue um, but and not an iodine deficiency. Correct. Exactly. All right. Well, let's never speak of this again. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. Unless somebody comments and is like, I want to learn more about goiter. And and we'd be happy to talk about it. But my goodness, uh, that is that is very unpleasant. And we'd have to find a goiterologist, I think. (laughs) I'll tell you what, if my life gets down to that, Jenny, I'm done. I can't can't do this anymore. Oh, that's fine. I'm trying to outline the fact that I think that if I don't get Arden straightened out and everybody else doesn't just stay healthy for five minutes, I'm going to like light my underwear on fire and start running around in the streets. So I can't take it much longer. (laughs) Everybody just needs to. Well, and it actually goes along with something that I, it sounds like you really found a quite good physician because a lot of what she was telling you about the quality of food. I mean, it's the big reason that 
I take or spend the extra to buy non-farm raised fish. Okay. Because the difference between farm raised salmon and actual wild salmon, there's a major difference. If you look at farm raised salmon and you look at the package, you will see color added. That color is added because they haven't been being fed the wide diet that they would eat in the wild to actually get the quality omegas that your body, the benefit of eating salmon or tuna is for the omegas, which in your daughter's case, the doctor was like, Hey, you need more omegas, right? Well, don't buy farm raised fish then because that's not going to help her anymore. I want to say too, she spent a lot of time uh, showing us how to read labels on supplements, uh, vitamins. Mm -hmm. And she said there are overwhelmingly more useless vitamins on the market then, you know, she's like, and they're very good at marketing it to make it sound like they're good, but she's like, there's nothing in them. It's just, right. a, it's just a waste of your money. So my original naturopath, when I saw her years ago, um, she actually did the same thing. What supplements are you using? How are you using them? And she actually recommended very minimal list of quality, just multivitamins. And at that time I had needed to start taking like a prenatal vitamin, right. In terms of preparation for getting pregnant. Um, and she was like, these are the ones and don't pick outside of those, this list. These are quality. They come actually, the nutrients come from real food sources, not from synthetic something, something she's like, otherwise you're paying for a bottle of what's actually getting peed out into the toilet. She also told me that, um, the real popular vitamins that people know are good get knocked off online. So you have to be careful about even buying them from Amazon. Um, And what else did she say? Oh yeah. Anything that you can absorb through the lining of your mouth is preferable over swallowing it. So she gave Arden vitamin D drops instead of Mm -hmm. because Arden's one of those people that takes 50,000 IUs of vitamin D a week, like once a week. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, she's like, just do these drops instead. Again, it goes back to the gut and absorption, and they know very well that the gut and absorption in people who have type one is lacking. Mm-hmm. My my naturopath did the same thing. My vitamin D was eighteen. Yeah, and the doctor had given me supplement huge dose like pill supplements, and he was like, "I don't know." I started seeing the naturopath. She said, "You need a drop. You need to put it under your tongue every single day." get things retested in eight weeks and come back. And they were up already. You know, it's funny. I'll I'll add here before we end this one and move on to the next, that um, if you would have found me before Arden had type one diabetes and before I knew anything about all this stuff and had this conversation with me, I would have said, Oh, I met a hippie lady today that was talking about vitamins and how they're not all the same. And, you know, you got to take vitamin D under your tongue. And uh, I think she was high on the weed is what I would have thought. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, lovely kooky woman, you know, but now I know you're not kooky and I'm not either. Um, (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So um, there's way more to this than, than most people would think. Uh, Yes. Just getting your supplements right. It's not coming from your food. I mean, everybody look, when this is over today, take five minutes, close your eyes, be honest with yourself and think about what you've eaten this week and tell me if there's food in any of it or if you're just keeping yourself alive and not nurturing yourself, you, you know? So I I was on a road trip yesterday. I got up very early in the morning. I did not feel like eating. I drove a couple of hundred miles. I saw my son. I drove a couple of hundred miles back. I drank two bottles of water in the morning. I peed in a sketchy rest stop. I went to get my son. 
we went to lunch where we went to a an English pub and I had fish and chips. So I had cod, probably not, uh, deep fried, but I, I stay away from the oil. So I picked all the breading off of it. And then I had some <laughs> fries and a little bit of ketchup. And then I got in a car and drove home and ate a peppermint patty because that's what I could find at a rest stop. And then I got home and that is what I had eaten that day. You know, and if you ask me, how do I eat? I'd probably say, oh, I'm fine because the day before I did eat well, but I didn't, I didn't on Sunday. And you really do have to start asking yourself, am I, I, I'm fueling myself and I'm not hungry and I'm staying alive, but am I bringing in the nutrition that my body actually needs to maintain itself and to rebuild itself from problems? You know, and I think for most of us, I really, I hate to say it. I'm, I'm not coming down on people. I think most of us, I don't think we do really. Right. Well, and I think if you ask many people who have enough resources and whatnot to actually have enough food in their life, it's quantity of food seems enough. So they would say, yes, I'm well fed. Well, what's the quality, not the quantity of what you're eating? Because quite honestly, here in our United States, we have enough quantity. Right. It's almost hard to go hungry at this point. Yeah. so, you know, and, and I mean, there are certainly people who do struggle for enough, mm-hmm. but even them, unfortunately, what they can have then access to doesn't have a quality piece to it. It's what they can have is what they can have because this is what's affordable. And unfortunately, there's not much quality there. Yeah. No, I mean, if you are a person who's listening to this in the hopes of fine tuning your health, um, there's nothing in a Dorito that's going to help with that, I guess is the message. Even though I will say this of all the longtime foods from my childhood, the junk foods, Doritos has done the best job of keeping the experience of a Dorito the same as it was 20 years ago. Here's a short huh. list of people who have not fruity pebbles, apple jacks. <laughs> I'm just teasing. You. <laughs> there are some junk foods that people have just messed up over the years. Fruity That's pe- funny. Fruity Pebbles is my biggest disappointment. <laughs> Jenny's like, I don't know what a Fruity Pebble is and I'm not eating it. <laughs> I don't. Well, the, the funny thing is I, I do, but we didn't have, we didn't have those. I think I've had Fruity Pebbles maybe once in my life. Oh. And it was just because my parents just didn't buy that kind of stuff. If we did have cereal, it was when we went camping and it was like, honey nut Cheerios. Right. I mean, that was like, and I mean, it still has sugar added to it. Obviously it's still, you know what it is, but yeah, I mean, we just, we didn't get that kind of stuff. I was actually talking to somebody the other day and I, we were talking about like kids and what they eat and whatever. And I was like, my children have never been to McDonald's. Like we can pass a McDonald's Mm -hmm. and there is no mom, 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 mom. I don't even know what it is. They don't really, I mean, my nine-year-old now obviously knows what it is, but he would have no desire to stop there because yeah. we just don't, that's not a regular thing for us to do. Yeah. In my, in my house, it was uh, soccer because Kelly did not, did not want our children to play soccer. We gave them no context for it when they were growing up. I've, I know I've told this story before, but it, it, it I don't think to me that's okay. interesting. So it bears, it bears repeating because you can. You can impact how your children grow up and what they think to do and what they think to don't do, you know, food being the example. But when my son was like two or three years old, we were stopped at a traffic light and there was a men's league and they were playing soccer. I'm talking about like 
hundreds of people spread out over five soccer fields. And my son says, mommy, what are they doing? And Kelly looks out the window and looks back and goes, I have no idea. And the light turned green and we drove away <laughs> because Kelly's sisters played soccer growing up and Kelly hated going to soccer games. Uh, and she's like, I do. She didn't want to have a kid who played soccer. So we just didn't tell him what it was. And he, interesting. Never, and he never asked about it. And that, that was it. And I, I'm dialing that back to your, you can, you can move your children in the right direction with a lot of different things. Even if you it's can. taking a supplement every day, you know, like just a multivitamin, you can make that part of their life to the point where they get older. They just, they just do it, you know, right. because correct. Not, not every older kid just, you know, if you, you realize when you're 20 years old, you need a, I don't know, a multivitamin or something. Um, it, it's not going to be easy to get everyone to integrate that into their life. You know, most people right. are going to have a hard time adding things as adults. So, right. I mean, even my, my five-year-old can go to the refrigerator and pick something like he'll often want and want to do it himself an apple cut up with peanut butter. That's like his favorite thing ever. He can, he can make his own egg salad, <laughs> which I think <laughs> is pretty awesome. <laughs> and it's not pretty. And it certainly is kind of messy on the counter, but you know what? He can make his own egg salad. He can do it. Well, that's, that's the, <laughs> that that's the takeaway from this one is you can make decisions about how you eat and how you get your there you go. nutrition. <laughs> All right, Jen, do we have time for one more? Yeah, All absolutely. Right. If you're tired of injecting your insulin with a pen or a syringe, or you have a pump with all kinds of crazy tubing attached to it that you really don't like, this next bit is for you. The Omnipod tubeless insulin pump does not have any tubing. That's why they call it tubeless. I know what you're thinking. That's not possible, Scott, but it is. Omnipod doesn't have tubing. Other insulin pumps have a controller with a cartridge connected to tubing that kind of, you know, goes all over the place to an infusion set. And then that's how you get your insulin through that long tube. But with Omnipod, there is no tubing, no tubing to get caught on door handles and nothing to disconnect when you're bathing or swimming because the Omnipod is, uh, you know, it's happy in the water. You can go in the bathtub, in the shower, in the local lake. You can go wherever you want wearing your Omnipod tubeless insulin pump. That's pretty important because then you don't lose your insulin during those times. How many of you have disconnected for a shower only to forget to reconnect to your tubed insulin pump? When do you find out? An hour or two later when your blood sugar's sky high because you haven't had any insulin for a while. Why? Because you had to disconnect for a shower? That shouldn't be the way. And with Omnipod, it isn't. Now, if this all sounds magical or different to you and you're not sure what to do, I understand that. But you may be eligible for a free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash. Now go to Omnipod.com forward slash juice box to find out. If you're eligible, Omnipod will send you a free 30-day supply. You can check it out and see what you think. And even if you decide to stick with what you're doing after the trial, you still got a free 30 days. How often do you get a free month of anything? So the Omnipod Dash is tubeless. It's waterproof. You can shower with it or, you know, swim in the pool, right? The pool, the pool. Oh, are you thinking about summer? That just made me think about summer. It's not here yet, kids. Just live through this cold a little longer. Anyway, uh, swim in the pool. Don't get your tubing caught anything. Don't have any tubing to be snaking through your clothing. 
It's all pretty great and no multiple daily injections. With the Omnipod, you just pull out the PDM, that's the Personal Diabetes Manager, it's a little handheld device, kind of looks like a cell phone, and you uh, you just you say, I'm going to have 12 carbs. You tell the little thing, 12 carbs, and says, I think you should have this much insulin, you know, based on your settings, and you go, okay, push a button, and boom, boom, here comes the insulin. No injections. Gotta love it. Now, you might be thinking, all right, Scott. I want an Omnipod, but I've been hearing about this Omnipod 5, and I'm just going to wait for that. Mm, I would say in a normal circumstance, I understand. But with the Omnipod Promise, you don't have to do that. Here's what the Omnipod Promise says. You get the Omnipod Dash today, and you start using it, and you love it. And then, I don't know, a month from now, two months from now, whenever, Omnipod 5 is available for you and covered by your insurance. You just move up to the Omnipod 5. That's the Omnipod promise. The Omnipod promise says you can go to new technology that Omnipod has when it's available to you and covered by your insurance. That's it. You want to change, you can change. That's a pretty good promise. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. You might as well go pick around on the website and figure it out a little bit. See if you're up for it. Check to see if you know you're eligible for that free trial and get started today. Omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. There are links in the show notes of your podcast player and at juiceboxpodcast.com to Omnipod and all of the sponsors. If you're wondering what signs and symptoms to look for, in hypothyroidism, hyperthyroidism, Graves' disease, and Hashimoto's, I'm going to list them all for you right now. If you already know what they are, well then, thanks so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. But if you're waiting for the signs and symptoms, they're going to happen like right now. Symptoms of hypothyroidism vary. The Mayo Clinic lists the possible symptoms as fatigue, Increased sensitivity to cold, constipation, dry skin, weight gain, puffy face, hoarseness, muscle weakness, elevated blood cholesterol level, muscle aches, tenderness, and stiffness, pain, stiffness, or swelling in your joints, heavier than normal or irregular menstrual periods, thinning hair, slow heart rate, depression, impaired memory, enlarged thyroid gland, which could be known as a goiter. If you're looking for this in infants, you might also look for a large protruding tongue, difficulty breathing, hoarse crying, an umbilical hernia, or yellowing of the skin and whites of the eyes. As the disease progresses in infants, you may also notice constipation, poor muscle tone, and excessive sleepiness. In teens, you may notice poor growth, resulting in short stature, delayed development of permanent teeth, delayed puberty, or poor mental development. Let's move on to hyperthyroidism, still on the Mayo Clinic's website. They say, of course, that hyperthyroidism can mimic other health problems. We've been talking about this through all these episodes. You know that. Unintentional weight loss, even when your appetite and food intake stay the same or increase. Rapid heartbeat. Irregular heartbeat. Pounding of your heart. Increased appetite. Nervousness, anxiety, and irritability. Tremors, usually a fine trembling in your hands or fingers. Sweating, changes in menstrual patterns, increased sensitivity to heat, changes in bowel patterns, especially more frequent bowel movements, an enlarged thyroid gland, of course, called a goiter, 
which may appear as swelling at the base of your neck, fatigue, muscle weakness, difficulty sleeping, skin thinning, fine and brittle hair. For Graves' disease, you're looking for dry eyes, red or swollen eyes, excessive tearing or discomfort in one or both eyes, light sensitivity, blurred or doubled vision, inflammation or reduced eye movement, protruding eyeballs. Just quickly, Hashimoto's disease, which as we know is an autoimmune version of hypothyroidism. Hashimoto's disease progresses slowly over the years. You may not notice signs or symptoms of the disease. Eventually, the decline in thyroid hormone production can result in any of the following. There are going to be a lot of duplicates here from hypothyroidism. Fatigue and sluggishness, increased sensitivity to cold, increased sleepiness, dry skin, constipation, muscle weakness, muscle aches, tenderness and stiffness, joint pain and stiffness, irregular or excessive menstrual bleeding, depression, problems with memory or concentration, swelling of the thyroid, the goiter, a puffy face, brittle nails, hair loss, enlargement of the tongue. I'd like to just finish by saying that if you have any of these, please see a doctor, get a simple blood test, and get yourself some answers. Don't forget, a TSH over 2 is enough reason to be concerned. Treat your symptoms, not the lab values. Thanks again for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.